Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Welcome to today's show. I appreciate uh, everyone listening and uh, subscribing to the podcast. Really excited about today's conversation because it's... Uh, it takes a lot of twists and turns, and, and there's a lot that we can learn from today's guest story. Uh, before we get to him, I uh, do want to thank uh, my sponsor. As always, the show is sponsored in part by Powertexting.com. Powertexting.com is a platform to stay in touch with pro prospects and clients in a quick, easy way. And uh, as a thank you from them to all of the listeners, they give away a free vacation. It's a four or five day vacation. It can be Vegas, Orlando, a couple places in Mexico. And later in the show, I'll explain how everyone can get in on the drawing to win that free vacation. So we appreciate you hanging in for that. What we talk about here on the show is lessons that you can't learn in school. And it's all about where you can make ads, make changes, um, implement different ideas into your entrepreneurial venture, whether it's a business or, um, or just a startup. And, but, the, but the end result is all about client attraction. If you know how to attract clients, these lessons can then be used to make the business better. And so for those of you who need clients today, I encourage you to download my book at freebookfromadam.com. It's eight steps to attract clients without spending money on marketing or advertising. It's quick, it's easy to implement, and it's right what you're looking for if you need more clients in your business. And with that, I would like to introduce today's guest. He worked for Fortune 500 companies. He now owns his own um, talent agency and talent group uh, with a little Gary V work in the middle that we'll get to. Adam Posner, thanks for joining today. I appreciate your time. Adam, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. And so you've had a very varied career from, from the corporate job working in marketing and advertising to now um, talent acquisition and recruiting and finding people their own jobs. But where did, where did you start on the entrepreneurial side? Was it something that was always in you in that corporate job or did it just come about through learnings and meeting people? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And looking back on it, I think that's something that's been ingrained in my DNA uh, since I was a little kid. I was always out there hustling, whether it be, you know, selling baseball cards and, and comics. Uh, I always had that spirit in me to be creating and driving and making relationships and making money wherever I can. Nice. So what, what put you over the edge and said, all right, I'm, I'm leaving the comfort of the corporate world and he, Adam worked at American Express, and for those of you who don't know, American Express has a very cushy vacation policy. It's like 35 days or something ridiculous like that. Right. So how do you leave that cushy environment to go out and say, all right, I'm doing this on my own? Well, well, it's interesting. So just to bring everyone up to speed on my career journey, so born and raised in New York is something I take a tremendous amount of pride in. And I knew from day one you know, in college that I was going to get into marketing and advertising, and that was a course that I took. So when I came out of college, I got my first job working at a small 
ad agency that focused on food service advertising. And the real key takeaway of that role was really learning how to be a professional. I think a lot of young people struggle in that transition from college um, you know, into the professional world, really understanding the discipline that goes with it. So long story long, as I like to say, spent the first 15 years of my career working in advertising and marketing, worked at a few different ad agencies. I worked client side, as we like to say, at Sirius XM for about five years. And that was right when Howard Stern came on board. It was the ultimate wild, wild west. It was incredible. It was a journey seeing them going from you know, 13 to 20 plus million subscribers. Really the um, advent, that's when you know, the true social media was coming on board, the beginning of Facebook, the beginning of you know, really true paid media, paid search, paid SEM. So learned a ton about that. And then I pivoted over to American Express, as you mentioned before. And it was interesting. I mean, it was a culture shock going from a serious XM type of place that was a little freewheeling over to Amex, which is pretty buttoned up. And the interesting thing, Adam, and we'll talk about this a little later on about trusting your gut, I knew pretty much within the first couple of days that it was not the right place for me. It, did, it didn't feel right deep down inside, and, and for many reasons. But I stuck it out, and I was there for about a year and a half, and then I said, you know what, I've got to get back to agency life. I, I need that rush. I need that chase. I need to, you know, that's what I could really express myself creatively and let those juices flow. So I pivoted back to the agency world, and I spent some time at a couple of smaller shops. And in between, uh, it was the early years of Vayner. Um, Gary and AJ had the company going for a couple of years. And I had a buddy that knew them and we made some introductions. So I went through an initial first round of interviews. You know, everything went well. But they weren't ready to hire at the time. So I pivoted over to another agency. And then Vayner came calling uh, about a year later. And, you know, I got the job. And it was like, it was like going to the promised land, man. I was like, oh, my God, I made it to, you know, the, the hottest, the best agency and I jumped right in head first. Now, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, and things aren't as always as shiny as they seem. But, you know, I pushed through it. And, you know, during that time at Vayner, it was exciting. I was working on multiple projects. But on the dark side of it, on the flip side of it, Adam, and to be, you know, open and, and transparent with your, with your listeners, I was going through some stuff personally. I was um, going through some changes in my life. And I let it affect me. I let it affect my performance. I let it affect who, how I dealt with relationships at work. And I wasn't performing at the level they needed me to and what they hired me for, and I lost my job. I, I got fired from VaynerMedia. And that was the lowest point of my, of my life, the lowest point of my career. And on that day, um, you know, what happened, HR came in and they – they did the deed very, very empathetically, you know, soft landing. But then Gary came into the room, and Gary and I had a, you know, decent relationship. You know, we worked on a few projects together. Um, you know, I got to see the man do his thing. Um, always just a class act. And he sat with me for about an hour, and we talked about what's next. But he really, you know, the most important thing Gary said to me, he goes, Adam, what are you going to do next? And I'm like, I, I was like, I don't know, man. And he said, listen, you need to stop focusing on the things that you suck at and double down on your strengths. And I let that sink in for a minute. And he's like, well, what are your strengths? And I said, well, I know the New York market. I great relationships. You know, I know how to schmooze. I know how to talk. But most importantly, I know how to connect the dots. That's what I've been doing my whole life. I've been hustling, connecting the dots, and finding those opportunities that they don't. And he said, well, that's great. Well, what are you going to do with it? I took a deep breath again. And I said, well, you know, I have a friend that does, you know, healthcare recruiting. And for years, he's been telling me, Adam, you know, you'd be great at this. And Gary's eyes lit up. He's like, holy shoot. I don't know if I could curse on your show. Holy shoot. Go for it. Go for it. 
yeah, man. He's like, holy shit, go for it, man. He's like, you be, dude, that's you. He's like, go for it. And with that, with, with, with Gary V's wind, you know, at my sails, at my back, I ventured into the world of recruiting. And I didn't just jump right in. I spent a couple of months, you know, I, I, I was pivoting into a new career, which is crazy. Um, you know, at 35 years old, starting, you know, the thought of a brand new career and, you know, having to learn it, having to, you know, start at the bottom of, of the financial chain. But I spoke with every recruiter that I've ever met. I reached out to a bunch, and I learned everything I could about recruiting. Fast forward, I got a job with a fantastic agency called Onward Search and lucky enough to work with a fantastic old-school recruiter who was recruiting back before the LinkedIn, before back when they were using fax machines and people were sending resumes. And Adam, he taught me the art and science of recruiting, how to really understand and build relationships with candidates and clients, which we'll touch on a little bit later, understanding motivations, and really the true value of that long-term relationship. And that's something that I've pride myself on throughout my entire career is valuing the long-term relationship. You know, I play the long game and I win, you know, daily on its residuals, and that's what I do best. So continuing the story, spent some time there, went to another search firm, and then about a year and a half ago, you know, I'm sitting with my wife one night, and we were talking about, you know, how commissions are being paid out, yada, yada. And I said, I really can't deal with this anymore. And she says, well, why do you need to? I go, what do you mean? She's like, well, can't, can't you do this yourself? We have a home office. You have a computer. You have a phone. You have your network. You have your relationships. I said, of course I can. And with that, I literally left that job, and I launched my own business, NHP Talent Group. And I haven't looked back, man. And it's been an incredible journey um, building my brand, building my company. I have a couple of employees, and I have the financial success and the life that I want right now, and it's amazing. That, that's awesome, and I love the story because the journey is, is the most important thing. A lot of times we lose sight of it. And I want to circle back to something that you, that you had mentioned sure. when you were talking to Gary. And, you, know, you said you were at the, the, the low point of your life, you know, getting let go, getting fired um, from a job. Um, for those of you who've, um, who've lived through it, it, it changes you. I had a, a guest on a prior episode uh, named Steve, Steve Rogers, so probably a couple months ago I did it, and he worked for Warren Buffett. He was the CEO of Warren Buffett's mm -hmm. real estate company. And one day in 2008, real estate was bad, and Warren made a change, and he got fired. And he said it was that being fired by a, an icon is different than being fired by a you know manager of you know, at American Express or, or, or wherever. And he said it changed him and it launched him in a very different direction. It sounds like it did the Absolutely. same thing for you. Yeah, and it's crazy because you think about it. I mean, Gary wasn't the one who actually fired me. You know, that was, you know, the HR team. But he was there right afterwards. And I, and I think that looking back on it, it was incredible that he spent that time. I mean, we sat for almost an hour talking about life, talking about what's next. And, you know, he said, listen, it's not because people didn't like you. It's, it just wasn't right on both sides. And at that moment, I was like, what am I going to do? I've been doing the same thing, the same career for 15 years. How am I going to go interview for another job? What story am I going to tell them? But looking back on it, it was that impetus, that moment that defined the future of my career and said, Adam, you know what? Stop making the same mistakes. Stop repeating the same thing. Stop going back to something that maybe, you know, maybe you're not that great at anymore. Maybe that's not in your, in your future. And, you know, it's incredible. You're spot on with that. And I appreciate that. And, and you said something else that, that really struck me. And, um, you know, it, it's around the idea of you were going through personal issues and that affected you in 
your job and you weren't as effective in your job because you were probably focused on mm -hmm. personal stuff and, and maybe you were taking it out in different ways. Now that you're in your own business, and this happens to many entrepreneurs, is they don't have a business problem. They've got a problem somewhere else in their life that's manifesting itself in the business. When looking back on that, how, how did your personal issues affect you at work? And, and what advice do you have for especially the small business owner who's out on their own, not letting those things get in the way of what yeah, they're doing for their clients and their employees? It's tough. I think any, anyone who says that, that business isn't personal is completely wrong, and I think that they're lying to themselves. I think that business and personal go hand in hand. It's harmony. Whatever, life, life is harmonious, right? It's really, it takes a special breed and a special person to be able to truly compartmentalize things that are happening in their personal life, not affecting their work. There's some people that could do it, and there's some people that can't. And I think it really comes down to really understanding what that issue is that you're dealing with, and there's different extremes to that, right? when it comes down to, to personal things. But it's really about understanding how it's affecting what element of your work and trying to work on that on a micro level. How do you compartmentalize on a micro level versus a macro level? Because there's some things that really need to be addressed that you can't block out and you can't push to the side. That's so true. And, and thinking about it on a micro level allows you to, um, to identify those rather than everything being one, like it becomes sort of a mess when you try to um, do everything all at the same time. And if you do one thing at a time, you can uh, block out the bad and focus on, on, the, on where you are at that moment. 100%. And when, aside from American Express, you worked for Sirius, which was, while a big company, really a, a startup, a, a disruptor at heart. And you worked for Vayner, oh, certainly yeah. another disruptor at heart. You said you worked for some smaller agencies before you started your own firm. So you grew up in many entrepreneurial environments, even though they weren't your own company. How did those environments train you and help you in starting your own business and running it today? That's a fantastic question. I think it's about mindset. And, I mean, everyone is pretty familiar with, with Vayner. What was awesome about Vayner Media is it didn't operate like these other big behemoths because it was born after that. It was born in the age of the entrepreneur mindset, especially with Gary and AJ at the helm who have that drive and have that velocity. It's not like working at a giant media company now that's been established for years. They made their own rules, right? They, their rules were built around what clients were demanding, or not demanding, what clients were asking for, and they were building it to make it work for their employees, and they put their employees first, which I think is critical, and the employees helped to define what that culture is. I think that's a tremendous mindset. Now, SiriusXM was a very different breed because it had that content-driven mentality, but it was also a very corporate environment as far as process, logistics, and operations, so it was an interesting balance to see there. Then there were some other smaller agencies that I worked at where they were either, you know, individually owned or, for example, Erwin Penland & Co., which is a Greenville, Carolina-based company, that was incredible because we were really about social first and innovation. And I think it really comes down to leadership's vision of culture. I think innovation drives culture, culture drives innovation, and that trickles down throughout an organization. And that's something that I really took to mind as I was forming my own company where I was going to make the rules up as I go. I was going to have the mindset of, you know, try new things, test and learn. And most importantly, Adam, and something I've learned throughout my career, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to fail. It's about how you react and respond and move forward that really counts the most. 
Yeah, the idea of failing forward. We're talking with Adam Posner here on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Uh, you can reach Adam at Adam J. Posner, that's P-O-S-N-E-R, at LinkedIn, or nhptalentgroup.com is his website. So definitely uh, visit him to learn more about um, who he is and connect with him. Because as a connect the dots guy, it's not always just about the dots. It's not about always getting somebody a job. It's about finding what talent somebody has, what what they can bring, what connections they have in bringing people together. And and in that, now you've got your own company. Now you're you know a, a full re- recruiting firm with employees. Mm-hmm. Why recruiting? And what did your past help you? with in starting this business and how does it help the business flourish? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it comes down to a couple of things. First and foremost, I've always been to mention before, I've always been a dot connector. I, I find and see those opportunities that others may not see and I connect the dots and that's personal and that's professional. I may know two, two different people, different friends group, and I say, wow, you know, John's doing this and he's into that and Sue's into this and doing that, which happened to be the same, and I connect them, and I see those opportunities. But I feel really ultimately what it comes down to is tenacity, and that's something that I have deep down inside, and I've had to harness it many times in my career, and it's ultimately the driving force that keeps everything moving forward, and it's something that I preach to my candidates, because everyone has tenacity inside of them at different levels, and I think that you have to be able to harness it and bring it out when you need to, whether it be in business whether it be in, you know, personal. And most importantly, Adam, you know, during the job search, it's tough. And if you're out of work, and even if you're, you know, in a job that you don't like and you're looking for a new job, tenacity is going to be the impetus that drives you forward. It's going to keep things moving. It's pretty easy if you're out of work to kind of just fall into a, a rut of, you know, sitting on the couch, maybe checking LinkedIn or your email a couple times a day. But you need to get a job. You need to get out there. You need to make money and, and take care of things. And that's only going to work if you harness that inner tenacity and drive your career forward. That's great. That, that's, that's so important. And speaking of just tenacity, every entrepreneur, no matter what it is, you have your core business and, and you have to focus on that. But there are many businesses or other lines of business within every one company. So as an entrepreneur, you have to run multiple organizations and, and in your business in recruiting, you've got the, um, the talent side, the employee side, the candidate side, and you have the businesses. So those are two separate lines of business. How do you run those both effectively, and how do you delineate what time you're going to spend on which side of the business? Because they are very different things, very different connections that you have to make. Yeah, it's very good. And, and, it, and it's, again, it goes back to harmony, right? There's always biz dev happening. And for me, it's interesting I am lucky enough where 99% of my business comes from warm leads. It comes from referrals. It comes from fostering relationships over the years. And most importantly, it's about building a reputation of my work based on the quality and high-level product that I deliver. And it's interesting, too, because I think what separates me from other recruiters is my client service skills. You know, I worked for 15 years in client service and account management, so I deliver that white glove treatment to my clients. And I think the most important aspect is managing expectations. That is a key piece for anyone in business to learn and master is managing expectations. Managing up, managing down, and ensuring that your clients know what to expect and they're not getting sandbagged. And you live in New York, and um, well, New York is a very special place, and some people outside (laughs) of New York have disdain for New York because everyone in New York thinks that they're great. But expectations are probably a little different in a recruiting environment in a place like New York 
than they might be others. How do you manage those expectations being in New York? It, it is a viciously competitive environment to begin with. And then on top of that, recruiting, which is extremely aggressive, it's extremely competitive on both sides of the house. So you're talking about candidates. So right now, generally speaking, it's a candidate-driven market, meaning that there are more jobs open than candidates. So candidates have more options available, and they also have more leverage when it comes to salary negotiations. Now, that's good and bad for us as recruiters, because obviously the more money a candidate makes, the more money that we make. However, my client is the company. My client is not the candidate. And for me, it's critical to understand the client's budgets and work within those parameters. So over the last two years, we've seen this push and pull, this tug of war between clients and candidates around competition, and it gets a little contentious at times. And that's something that you have to manage. Now, on the flip side of that, when it comes down to BizDev, the recruitment market has exploded. Everyone and their mother thinks that they could be a recruiter. Now, there's some people that can and do it well. There's other people that just get flushed out by, you know, natural selection. But it really comes down to how do you differentiate yourself. And for me, that is about relationships, playing the long game. Sometimes I take things a little slow. But at the same time, Adam, I know when I need to be competitive and I need to ramp up a search quickly because I'm competing against a couple of other firms in a contingency play. That makes sense. And, and earlier in the, in, in the um, interview here, you talked about following your gut and knowing your gut. How do mm -hmm. you differentiate when to follow your gut versus when to follow the data or to use both together? That's a tough one. I, <laughs> I've never been a data guy. I've never been a numbers guy. Um, I will look at trends. I, you know, I'm an avid student of the market, the marketing world. Um, I follow along and I use that information to guide my decisions. Sometimes I'll look at the data if something's going completely south, but ultimately, Adam, I, I'm, I'm a gut guy. I mean, if you saw me, you could tell. I go with my gut, and most of the time, it leads me in the right direction. The problem is, is when I question it, and that's when I get into that tug of war internally and trying to figure out what is pulling me away from my gut. Is it, is it, is it impulse? Is it something in the universe is pulling me that way? Like, and, and, and that's the toughest part because everyone says trust your gut all the time, but I think there's times when you question it. What do you do in those times? I take a breather if I can. I try to separate myself from that decision. I go play with my kids. I go do something else, and then I come back to it. And if I go back to it and I'm still having that problem, rinse, wash, and repeat, try it again. But nine times out of ten when I come back to it, I have a lot more clarity. So sometimes you just have to get away. Sometimes you have to shut your brain off from that decision because you're overthinking and the wheels in your head keep spinning. And you're going to go down that rabbit hole. You're going to go down that black hole, and you're going to overthink something. And I think we're all victims to that, too. Most of the problems that we have in life are, could be simplified into a yes or no decision. Now, some of them aren't that easy, but, you know, I think when you walk away for a moment, it gives you clarity. That's great. We're, we're talking with Adam Posner about trusting your gut, having the right mindset, knowing and understanding where you are in your business and, and how to make the right decisions. Um, and I do want to, again, thank PowerTexting.com for their sponsorship of the show. And for those of you who want to um, get in on our raffle for a free trip, somebody who is listening to the show will win a free trip. Go to PodcastTrip.com and enter your information, and I will uh, randomly draw a name, and someone will go on a great vacation, and we appreciate PowerTexting.com for supporting you as listeners um, 
for for taking your time and, and learning from us here, um, and then enjoying a great vacation, which is always part of that getting away a little <laughs> bit. Is, Absolutely. is going going to the beach, especially if if it's March in New York. Um, now you mentioned um, on the client side, and and my business is all about client attraction, helping people right. not only get more clients but make more money, and. You said most of your people come from your warm market connections you've made. One of the difficult things for people to do is they have connections, and they may be good friends. They may, you know, mm -hmm. text them. They they know each other. But how do you translate that from a connection into a business money making opportunity? How do you make that transition? Absolutely, and I think that you have to create that physical connection. I think that you have to. It's almost like a, an analogy to farming, right? There's times when you're planting the crops, you're planting your leaves, you're nurturing them, you're watering them, and then it comes time to harvest, right? And that's what we're talking about right now. How do you harvest those connections uh, into business? And I think there comes a time when you need to call those people. You need to have a, a good gut check, reality check on their business and see if there is that opportunity for you to move it forward. I think that's critical to always be on top, be mindful of your relationships. And it's hard when you're trying to do your day in and day out work and then doing biz dev at the same time. Biz dev is obviously the lifeblood of any business. It's one thing to keep doing your day to day, but if you're not thinking 10 steps ahead of your next client, your next project, your next work coming in, you're going to fail. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles of being you know, an independent business owner where I don't have a biz dev guy. Now, the other piece of it too that I think I want to touch on in regards to relationships is personal branding. And that's something that I've taken a huge investment in my time, in my resources is creating my personal brand. I mean, I've been on LinkedIn since, since it started in 2006, big advocate of it. And I'm also a student of people like Gary Vaynerchuk who have created incredible online presence. And I've learned from him about how to put yourself out there, how to have a strong point of view and how to create that personal brand. So now we're talking, Adam, when I'm calling on these leads again, they're starting to see me in a peripheral kind of way. They're starting to see me more on LinkedIn. They're seeing my podcast, and I'm building that credibility. So when it comes time to call on them, they're like, oh, Adam, I just checked out your podcast. I see you all over LinkedIn. You're doing great stuff. It's building authenticity, and it's building trust, and it's building cred. And all those pieces help when you're trying to close that business deal. It's all the support pieces. Yes, understood. And, and for, for the people out there who maybe they don't have a, a big online presence and and they run the local hardware store, they've got mm -hmm. a sort of business-to-business under-the-radar thing, they're not selling to, um, to the masses, how can they utilize and build a personal brand even when people aren't buying them personally? Let's say they're, you know, they sell a, a chip that goes between two computers. They still need to be visible and still need to be out there, but, but maybe they don't right. feel like they know how. What advice do you have yeah. on that? Well, I think it starts with knowing your audience, right? So if you're selling, you know, screwdrivers locally, if you're selling plumbing supplies, you know, within your, within your town, it's about knowing who your customers are, knowing where they go. So let's just say, for example, that, you know, you're a, a plumbing supply guy. Where do the contractors hang out, right? Is there, a, is there a local, I'm being dead serious, is there a local bar, is there a restaurant where people go, you know, at 5 o'clock on Fridays to kick off and just being present, being in their line of sight, both online and offline, and having your name be top of mind when it comes down to a business decision process, it comes down to being local, acting local as well, right? If you're a, a, a small town person, making sure that you're, you're visible in the local press, making sure that you're visible in the Chamber of Commerce, any type of 
local events, just being there and being present. And it's about name recognition and making sure that your name is being recognized to a high quality service or product. I absolutely love that. And it's, there, there's a saying that it's super simple to be the best at the world at something very, very specific. And so the more mm-hmm. specific you can be, it's hard to be the best plumber in the world, but it's easy to be the best plumber who does XYZ in this town for um, jobs of a certain size, right? So the more specific you can be, now you know who to go talk to. And like you said, you know where they go, where they live, and you spend your time there. How have you done that in your business because you've got the, the, the client, but you also need the candidates? So you have to live in two different places. How do you, how do, you do that and how do you manage that? Ooh, that, that comes down to discipline, and that's come down to you. <laughs> I'll admit something to you guys. So that comes down to a couple of things, discipline and a little bit of OCD. And I think that the OCD that I have has given me structure. I am highly organized when it comes to tracking candidates. You know, I have my databases. I have my sources. But then there's a little, also a little bit of, of, of madman in there, right? And I think that that madman is what drives me. It's kind of like a rain man. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those rain man moments when I have a job that comes in and I can literally think about a candidate from three years ago that I spoke to. I may remember one aspect of the name, a first name, a last name, or where they work, and I'll be able to go into my database and pull it out. And it's, it, it's, just, it's just crazy. And I think everybody needs to find their own method, find their own process that works for them. That's great advice. And, and hopefully you as the listeners just wrote that down because it's, there's no one way to do anything. There are many Never. ways, and you can, if you do it right, you can do everything. Now, a, a little behind the scenes of sort of the podcast world, Adam and I met and we're talking about the show, and so he gives me just some topics, some things that he's good at, some things that may be really interesting to you, and this may not be interesting to anybody else, but it is to me. You are a New York Mets fan, and how, um, how is it being a New York Mets fan? It's been since, what, 86 since they've been good? So how do you live with that? My, so I, I, just turned, I just turned 40, so I'm a, I'm a lifelong Mets fan. My, my first Met game, my dad took me uh, to a playoff game in, in 86. I was you know, seven years old at the time, and it was, it was that moment. My dad was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, so when the Dodgers shipped to, to the West Coast, like a lot of New Yorkers, they weren't going to be Yankee fans. Those are their, their other rivals, so my dad became a Mets fan, and I was born into the Mets. And being a Mets fan, it comes down to a couple things. It is being a true loyalist. You are loyal to your team through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's so funny because every season has such high hopes. I mean, even last year we started about 11-1 and and then we lost like 20 games in a row. We are prepared for those letdowns. We're prepared when, you know, when our, when our $25 million player Cespedes gets hurt five games into the season is, and it's out. Those are the things that we live with. It is painful. It is both a pride and a, and a, and a pain. It's a ball and chain being a Mets fan, but I love it. Um, I take a ton of pride in it. I have I have a pair of Shea Stadium seats in my den that are my prized possession. And, you know, when my son and daughter were born, the first thing I said to them each when I was holding them after, welcome to the world, I love you, I said, I'm sorry, but you're Mets fans. And that's never going to change. <laughs> and to turn that into business, if you said that, you know, every, every year, right, right at this time, spring training's coming to a close. Every year. And, and you've got these hopes and dreams that this could be the year because you never know when teams are going to come out of nowhere. Houston did it a couple of years ago and yeah. won the World Series, and no one would have, would have thought they were going to be good. From a business aspect, we have those, those challenges where every day is a new day, but, but sometimes you get punched in the face a little bit, and it's not going your way. But you yep. keep the faith and you keep the belief 
how do you keep the belief, um, not as a Mets fan, because that's, that's internal and that's fandom in, in and of itself, but how do you do that in your business? Because not every day goes great, but you still have no. that belief. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, especially in recruiting, it's a roller coaster. But, I mean, the last two weeks alone, I've had a horrible couple of weeks. It's been rough personally and professionally. And for me, it comes down to always having my North Star in focus. And for me, my North Star is my family. It's my wife and my two kids. Everything that I do is to ensure that they have the best possible life for them and that I'm being the best father, I'm being the best husband, and I'm being the best friend um, that I could be out there. So I implore everybody to think about what your North Star is. When things are down, when you're you know, at, at your bottom, when you're having a, a real shitty day, even when you're having a good day, you know, looking up to that North Star and thank them for, for keeping things moving. And, and I'll ask you, Adam, what, what is your North Star? My, mine is definitely my wife. And, um, you know, we have ups and downs in our marriage. We just hit 20 years of married, 23 wow. together. And, yeah, and so we've been through a lot together, good, bad, and otherwise. And just always thinking about why I'm doing this, right? It's, uh, I'm in Arizona. It's, it's 7 a.m. I've got uh, NCAA basketball fun ahead of me today. I don't know when everyone's oh, yeah. going to listen, but it's the first day of the NCAA tournament. But it's like I'm getting up at 6. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this interview awesome. at 7 because this is what it's all about because the more I do this, the less she has to worry about working, the less she worries about working, <laughs> exactly. the more she's able to work. It's kind of a, a weird dichotomy there. So everyone, a lot of you out there listening, it's probably your family, which is, which is the reason you do it, but it could be for a grandparent. It could be for a friend. It could be uh-huh. for the freedom that, that you're looking for. So I love the idea of, of having your North Star and just knowing that it's out there and why you're doing what you do every day. It, it's, so, it's, it's critical. It's, it's critical to have that focal point, Adam. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up because obviously this, this is all about lessons. That's why we do this show. That's why people listen is to get a little nugget that they can walk away with, and I think that's more than a little nugget. I think that's a huge one. And so as we wrap up today, I always love to ask, you know, what is one thing that you can tell our listeners that – whether they're stuck or whether they're just getting going, one thing that they can do and easily implement today or change in their business that's worked for you in the past that maybe they can get off listening and, and do right away to really benefit and springboard forward. Absolutely. And this is a very high-level statement, but you have to think about it tactically on a micro and macro level. Gary Vee said this to me directly at my lowest possible moment, and it changed my life. Stop focusing on the things that you suck at and double down on your strengths. Simple as that. Put it into practice. Start small, and you'll see big changes. Double down on your strengths. I love that. Well, I appreciate it, Adam. Uh, This is Adam Posner is with us today on the show. I'm Adam Kipnis. Thanks for being on the show. Adam, I appreciate your time today, and best of luck with everything in your business going forward. Cool. Yeah, and everybody check out the podcast that is out. You can find me on iTunes, Anchor, and all the major platforms. And as Adam said, connect with me on LinkedIn, Adam J. Posner. I love to meet new people. And if I have the time, I'm always happy to have a quick chat. And if you're in New York, grab a coffee, grab a beer, grab a scotch, whatever your poison is. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And look forward to the next episode of The Entrepreneur's. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.